You are listening to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast. Now here is the host of Nats Talk on the Go, the man, the myth, the legend, Craig McHenry. Craig, Yay. let's do it. Hooray! And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fun. It's fun to be back in uh, in 2018 for the first time. <laughs> in, yeah, it's, in almost it's... May. It's fun for Joe to be back for the first time since the 2017 regular season. Oh gosh, yeah, we didn't even do a podcast, a, a postseason episode last year. I was too depressed. Nope. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we, well, we, hey, we covered that. Yeah, we have a yeah. You did a great job with your first solo show to start the season. So uh, we we can we'll get our back and forth going here. So uh, we basically have the last few weeks of the season. I know that you've done some some. Uh, of your own podcasting and topic conversation, topics of conversation, but I haven't been able to participate in any of those yet. Is so. it really a conversation if it's just me, myself, and I? Yes. Okay. It's conversation that's... with the people, Craig. Okay, that's it's that's conversation fair. with the people. Uh, and forewarning uh, to anyone listening, either live or on the recording, uh, both Joe and I are watching the Capital game, game four. So that is true. There could very well be random outbursts of ah! right. Right. Um, Usually, the benefit of having doing the show on an off day means that we're we're more focused well, on the show because we don't react to the baseball game. But you know, the hockey game messes with that a little bit. Is it is it actually an off day? Oh yeah. wow, it is. Yeah, right. I thought they played at ten ten. I thought no, that tomorrow. started tonight. Tomorrow. Oh, thank God. Yeah. No. Oh, thank God. On yeah, a weekend. Starts on the weekend. Deal with that. It can't be any better. It can't be any worse than that. I can deal with that. So yeah. Um, I covered on the last couple podcasts the uh, beginning of the season. Hot start. Um, I can't remember if I've done another one since then. But there's plenty of stuff to uh, get to uh, after that first glorious week of the season. Uh, the Nationals have taken a – I don't want to call it a nosedive, but they have not been that sparkling team they were uh, that first week of the season against the Reds and the Braves. Uh, things right. have been a little bit rocky. There have been, once again – Injury after injury after injury. Um, hot players aren't hot at the same time. Other players are hot. And then uh, an overused pitching staff, uh, yeah. especially in the bullpen. Uh, so it's been up and down, to say the least. And uh, I know we're probably going to talk a little bit more generally than specific. Uh, but let's just go ahead and start with uh, the last week and cover the Met series a little bit. Yeah, so I I mean we have the Rockies series to talk about too, which I want to get into a little bit. But the but the Mets series, you know, in my opinion, I know there was a lot. That last game was a little frustrating with the Nats up until what the seventh or eighth inning. Where, eighth where inning, yeah. Eighth inning, they were up four to two. Um, but winning, I think winning that series was the important thing. They, yeah. You know, it, it's it, they play the Mets 19 times this year, so it's hard to say, like, okay, you have to win or sweep this series, but they kind of did have to with the Mets being 12-2 and two entering that series. Like, they yeah. did not have a whole lot of choice. Yeah, there was definitely an opportunity for the Nationals to finish that series back nine games. Yeah. And you always hear uh, announcers and wonderful, beautiful, handsome podcasters say things like, uh, you can't win the division in April, but you can certainly lose the division. And that would have been 
a very hard hill to climb for the Nationals' head. Uh, it'd been another three-game sweep. We would have had a lot more hand-wringing than we currently do have. Um, but getting those two wins, especially how the first win came, uh, with scoring, I want to say it was seven runs, in six, seven runs in the eighth inning, and oh, really yeah. just yeah, it was a seven, six, six-run eighth inning, I think. Yeah, huge come from behind win. The the biggest uh, ever late in the game, if I remember correctly, from the Nationals tweet that it was the the biggest late inning comeback in Nationals team history, which was fun to watch. I, I got to be honest, I was just about given up on that game, right? I mean, right. it was when it's six. AJ Cole gives up another home run, gives up another two runs. It's six to one uh, in the se- seventh inning or sixth inning, whenever it was. Uh, I was done. You know, I was ready to to put on a, a movie or a TV show and zone out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure I actually did uh, at some point, uh, just out of sheer frustration. And then I was lured back in by the sirens of Twitter, <laughs> right. uh, which is usually how my life works these days. Um, but just getting that come from behind win, uh, everyone was saying it was a statement. It was a turning point and all that. And you kind of really saw that. They carried the momentum into the second game of the series, and the game wasn't really that close. I mean, I don't remember the final score, but I don't think it was ever really in doubt. I'm pretty sure the Nats led pretty much wire to wire, and then, unfortunately, they weren't able to capitalize on game three despite having a lead, and that's uh, mostly due to something I talked about uh, on the last podcast where the Nationals didn't really get the off-day experience that they had had before uh, with the opening of the season, and they've had some... Uh, weather-related challenges, so the bullpen has been quite worked without a lot of rest days built in like some of the other things. And I know we have a question later that talks about you know how certain teams have only played, have had five, six postponements thus far. I mean, the Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers, for example. It's just been a very strange April for weather and postponements, so um, the Nationals haven't had that luxury of getting – uh, a rain out, the, the old Bull Durham, oh, we need a rain out kind of deal. Besides opening day, but that just meant that they had to play more consecutive days. Exactly. You know, like that, that, it actually made it worse off for them. than It than definitely made it worse off. Uh, so they haven't, they had their bullpen taxed. Uh, they're headed out west right now as we speak uh, to start a series with the Dodgers, who are honestly also scuffling a little bit. They have not been the team that everyone expected to just be the juggernaut again. So it's going to be an interesting series. They were in the world series last year. They were, they were a dominant baseball club. And I think that, um, if you were to lose one of the games of the Mets series, I think losing the last one in the fashion they did right before an off day is probably okay. They're going to be on a five hour flight out West. They're going to stew on it. They're going to be chewing on that. They're going to be thinking about it. It's going to make them hungry and really want to get out there and get that taste out of their mouth. So I think uh, if they were to lose a game and to lose it in that fashion, I'm glad it was the last one so they could have that uh, kind of reflection time to say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to let this happen again. So Yeah, I I think that's right. And they certainly – and we could talk about it a little bit, but they certainly get the – a heck of a first matchup on Friday night, Scherzer against Kershaw. You know, it's yeah. like, it couldn't have lined up any better for an exciting matchup between two teams that people expected a lot from the season. So I, I think there could be a lot of excitement there. I am super going to be awake for that whole thing. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad it's on a Friday, and I'm really going to do my best to maybe do that, possibly. I'm going to have a cold brew coffee at, like, 5 o'clock, or nitro yeah, cold brew, and just... Literally the only way, like, mainline it through to 2 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. It's the only way mm. I can do it, because it's gonna mm. be way too late. Um, but I think that the Nats did what they needed to with the Mets. Yes, it's it's weird to look at the standings and see the Nats in fourth place, um, you know, a, a few weeks into the season. It's not where we typically expect the team to be over the last few years, but um, I don't think that we've seen enough to be concerned. And I know that it's frustrating to watch to watch games and watch them kind of blow games the way that they've had and and be unable to score runs. But um, it's it's been tough to watch people kind of go off the deep end with frustration uh, about all of the things that are going wrong and how terrible Davey Martinez is and. How all, really? I, I, it, to me, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to see people. Yes, they're Ryan Zimmerman hitting fourth, which we will go into some extent talking about, <laughs> is frustrating, no question. But overall, I think Davey Martinez is doing the best he can with what he's got. You alluded to the bullpen uh, issues earlier, and you know, yeah, Matson blew that save on uh, whatever night it was the, the other night, last night. Um, was that what is that Wednesday? Wednesday night. Um, we'll go with Wednesday. But he had also pitched like three out of four days or something, and it was you know, four. It was his fourth out of five. Yes. Okay. So it was his fourth out of five. He's a thir- almost a thirty-eight-year-old pitcher who throws ninety-seven miles an hour. So you can say that was probably not the best decision. But what else you got in that situation? He's a ninety-seven-mile-an-hour pitcher who throws well and had been dominating. You didn't. Doolittle was also in a very similar situation. He had just pitched the night before. He had pitched three out of four, I think. And you know, you you just kind of have to figure out what you have and work within your your constraints. But um, the the main issue that I see there is there's a lot of concern with the way that the middle of the bullpen is constructed right now. And uh, that's every team has that problem. No team has a dominant fifth inning guy or sixth inning guy. That's that's not the nature nature of major yeah. league baseball. But uh, there, there have just been enough issues, and I mean, it, it's not to pile on, but man, AJ Cole. Every Oof. time he pitches, it's bad. Every yeah, it, yeah. We'll 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 dig into that a little bit. Um, let's talk about Davy a little bit more right now, yeah. since we're kind of just working our way right into it. Um, he's a rookie manager. Yeah, he learned from Joe Madden, uh, who is quite unconventional. And it's kind of hard for someone to learn the basics under Joe Madden. Um, yes, Davey Martinez is a baseball guy. He's been around forever. He was former player, so he, he knows about baseball. But getting in there and doing it your own way and not trying to be a copycat and not trying to be mini Joe Madden, um, he's trying to find his grasp on certain things. And one of the hardest things for any manager – Uh, and especially an NL manager to do is manage a bullpen Um, learning uh, the, the, the hitters that you have, the pitchers that you have, all of that. It's incredibly difficult and learning who you can trust when you've really only been with these guys for two months, if that by this point, I mean, mid February when pitchers and catchers showed up and the, the makeup of the bullpen looks a little bit different uh, with, uh, Any Romero not there now, and Trevor got down again. So he's just trying to find out which guys he can trust. And it seems like right now, 
the levers that he's pulling aren't necessarily working. Um, and one of the biggest problems that you can have is indecision. And I think that he faced that big time uh, on Wednesday night's game where Madsen got into trouble really quickly. Uh, yeah. He was in his second inning of work, um, loaded the bases, was facing a lefty, and for some reason did not pull the trigger on Sammy Solis. Right. No idea. I think there was one out at the time. Right. Did not pull the but trigger it was, on I Solis. think it was first and second with none out, though, too. It you know, like it's not, yeah. it's, and then And then maybe there was an out in another run, but like yeah. another runner, but it's still, you're right. I mean, to not pull that, that trigger in that situation is just... I think a little bit of getting overwhelmed by the moment, right? Like it yeah. just, just kind of not, and it's a hard decision to, you know, who do you trust more? But he right. clearly didn't have it. And he, he clearly, Madsen clearly didn't have it. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like Martinez has a lot of faith in anyone outside, yeah. outside of the uh, three main guys. I mean, so Lisa's gotten the job done several times. So yeah, I think for his role, but I mean, you're not seeing Sean Kelly in a high leverage situation. You're not going to see uh, Matt Grace in a high right. leverage situation. Right. So it's and one it, of those. It's also one of those things with uh, AJ Cole where he, it's almost like he's like, well, we're early enough in the game. I just kind of need some innings to fill. So AJ Cole is who does that. Cause he'd like, yeah. he doesn't understand. No, there have been other times. Like he brought in uh Madsen like a week ago in like the sixth or seventh inning because it was a high leverage situation, which I thought was a great decision. I think it was the seventh and then Kinsler pitched the eighth instead of the seventh. And it was, a, it was a great decision. Yeah. Um, but it's, those are hard decisions to, to make. Those are absolutely difficult. And for a new manager, especially that's, that's going to take a little bit of time for him to really get a firm grasp of, oh, right, I have to either make a decision or not, and then I have to own it. Um, one of the things I also found strange is that it was all of a sudden A.J. Cole's in the bullpen, and he had been working as a starter for the last ever. Right. So right. that's not an easy change for anyone. Right, I mean... Just especially in a week. Tanner yeah. Roark is the, a great example of that. Like, had a great starting season, went into the bullpen and struggled... Because and, and and he had a year he knew that was his role coming out of spring training that year. Yep. You know, and and, uh, and our our friend Johan made a great point, I think, about um when he came out of when uh AJ Cole came out of the bullpen and uh, uh Jeremy Hellickson had started the game and Johan said, Yeah, AJ Cole is the same pitcher. You're not the the hitters aren't seeing anything different. Hellickson, no. they had figured Hellickson out, and then this basically the same pitcher came in. Same kind of pitches, same st- kind of style, same velocity, um, came same right-hander, similar arm angle. And it's like, okay, well, he didn't really get a figure, get to figure out or get a change of, of vision for the batters. Right. You know, which was a struggle yeah. as well. Like maybe if you were spelling Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, right. That would that be a whole different conversation. You're, you're getting right. a, a three-quarters left-handed guy for a – over-the-top right-handed singer guy that throws 92. You know, like right. you're getting a totally different pitcher. And regardless of whether you think A.J. Cole is a major league caliber pitcher, <laughs> he's not. Um, yeah. It's a really tough thing to switch so abruptly into the bullpen where you don't get your huge long tosses, you don't get to start the game. You know, that's a huge change coming in, mid-inning, all that. That's... 
That's a very hard thing for someone to succeed in. And you saw it from Roark as the example I just used, but you saw it from a bunch of guys who are former starters that became relievers. Craig Stammen um, and Tyler Clippard. Tyler Clippard, yeah. Those guys. So they, when they were starters, they threw 91, 92 miles an hour. When they were relievers, they threw 94 to 96 miles an hour. But they knew that was their role. You don't all of a sudden just start throwing four miles an hour faster. If you start doing that, that means your arm is going faster and you're pushing off harder because you're expending more energy. And if you haven't practiced that all spring, it's going to affect how you throw. So you can't do it. So basically, you're just a starter pitching shorter without the same warm-up time. It's just it's a total mess around with, with what guys are doing. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, really, uh, AJ Cole is not the answer. Uh, he was the big question mark before. Yeah, yes. he was the big question mark before the season started, uh, whether the Nats could get away with having him as the fifth starter. And I mean, just seeing Jeremy Hellickson in there once for one start. Yeah, I mean, six innings, three or so runs. That's a, yeah. that's what you want. That that's is exactly the what fifth you want. starter. That it, like you come in, you eat up five or six innings, you give up two or three runs. That's you've done your job. Every bit. That's of exactly job what done. you should do. Yeah. And no one, no one on this podcast will ever say, no, that's completely unacceptable. Oh, totally. So, I, yeah. um, no one with half a brain would say that. And, that. and that's what they were hoping that they were going to get from AJ Cole, right? And it's just, he, in his first outing, he was, I mean, shellacked in his first couple of innings, and he never recovered from that. He's no. been that pitcher ever since, uh, yep. in, every, in every outing. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's been rough to see um, him, especially, but. Uh, yeah, Davey Martinez, he's still learning, and yeah. there is definitely a learning curve. I know for myself personally, it's obviously a completely different world, but I became a manager for the first time last year, and there is a big learning curve. There is yeah. a huge learning curve from doing someone that has some of those responsibilities to doing it yourself. There is a big learning curve. It's very difficult. It is not an easy thing to do. So uh, he needs a little time, but man, Zimmerman hitting fourth. And uh, I think you're still on mute, so um, you might want to fix that. No, I'm um, not on mute. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, no I problem. Had to blow my nose. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zimmerman has not been the Ryan Zimmerman we came to know and love last year. Uh, he kind of tailed off a little bit at the second half of the season. Um, and the last couple games especially, he's picked it up, and he's gotten some really big hits. First off, side side note, uh, two triples on the year for Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. <laughs> Plantar fasciitis up. having Ryan Zimmerman has yeah. two triples. Just crazy. Does he but, have uh, a home run yet? I think so. Yeah, because yeah, I remember seeing at least one Zimbabwe tweet. Oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely tweeted that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> um, definitely, I definitely did do that. But if you dig a little bit deeper, uh, I, would, I would venture to say... Ryan Zimmerman's BABIP is probably somewhere around the low 200s, if not lower. Um, and I'm hoping that you can look it up while it I'm is, talking. It is 167. Yeah, it is 167. And if you look at his uh, batted ball, uh, his hit speeds, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure he's top 10 in baseball. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I saw something the other day, and I don't remember if it was Mark Simon who tweeted it or something. One of those guys tweeted it that said like his ground, his hit velocity average is like ninety four or something. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's I want to say it's like either 90, 92 or ninety four, ninety four point two, ninety two point four, something yeah. like that. So he is hitting the ball incredibly hard, but he is hitting it incredibly right at people. Yeah. Uh, so that is that is what you want to look at this early in the season before uh, any stats have really normalized. Um, you want to look at those uh, trends. You want to look at BABIPs. You want to look at uh, hit speed for sure. And then for pitchers, you want to look at K rates and stuff like that right. uh, and velocity. So uh, before any of the averages and OPSs and uh, WOBA and all of that. Yeah, it's way know. too early for any of those things to have any statistical significance at all. And you're right that, that BABIP is a great number to look for for hitters to see like, Okay, you're down below 200. You've had some bad luck. Right? I mean, I think even Bryce Harper's sitting at 220, 225. Yeah, that may be true. So he's like killing it right now. But, yeah. Um, the, my issue with is not with Ryan, and this is, I think, part of the overall conversation. Yeah, you're right. Harper's 209. That's insane with a 288 yeah. batting average, and it's 209. Um, yep. But I Ryan, mean, he doesn't he doesn't see pitches. Right, yeah, right. Uh, Bryce Harper sees he he is getting Barry Bonds treatment right now. Yeah, he is absolutely. seeing one, maybe two pitches per well, game. And he doesn't that have that Williams or Will Clark or any of those guys behind him. You know, which right. which is not helping. But so anyway, my, back to Ryan. Yeah, but my problem isn't with Ryan Zimmerman. Um, isn't with Ryan Zimmerman playing. My problem is with Ryan Zimmerman hitting fourth. Like, mm-hmm. and, and and that's like what I've been telling people. The whole argument about like. When the Nats last year were trying to get something going with Michael Taylor, um, it's like, make him see more strikes. If he sees more strikes, he will hit better. And then if you move him up in the lineup, he will hit better. Because he will, he, his vision will get better. He will see more fastballs. He'll get his timing better. And so why is the argument not the same for Ryan Zimmerman? Yes, Ryan Zimmerman's a better hitter than Michael, Michael Taylor uh, historically. And yes, he hits in the middle of the lineup. But he, he is... He being in the fourth spot is destroying Bryce Harper. Yeah, in, in, like in his season right now. If if you Ryan Zimmerman should be getting Jason Worth twenty seventeen treatment. He should be in the seventh spot. Seventh spot, and then once he gets hot, make him fourth or fifth. I have yeah. no problem with that at all. But right yeah. now, it's it's just like this immediate reprieve. Why wouldn't you pitch to Zimmerman rather than Howie Kendrick or Matt Adams or Pedro Severino? Or any of those guys, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting decision uh, to put him in the fourth hole. You, I I can see the struggle there. That is something that hasn't I've seen hasn't been mentioned uh, anywhere that I've listened to or read or whatever. Um, but Davey Williams is a first time manager. Dave Martinez. <sighs> Damn it! You did it last time too. It was two times ago, but two, well, you're right. It was two times ago. Davy Martinez. Uh, I'm not. I'm. Sh- why do I say Williams and not Johnson? I just said I that. I, I just said Matt Williams, though. So yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. Um, Davy Martinez is a first-time manager. He's been in DC for two months, essentially. Yeah. He's been around the team. Ryan Zimmerman has been here since 2005. Yes. He is Ryan. Zim- when you think Washington Nationals, I mean, it's Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, he is the ultimate face of the franchise. He is a great citizen. He is a great player. He is a great teammate. He is a quiet leader. 
And so right. Davey Martinez coming in right off the bat and saying, Ryan Zimmerman, you're going down to seventh. Yeah. Or I'm platooning you with Matt Adams. Yeah. That's not a conversation he probably wants to have or might not even be ready to have. And yeah. like that's a tough thing and probably something he, he would have to get over. And maybe one day he has to have that conversation. But that definitely plays into it. He might not have the clubhouse enough for that yet. And, yeah. and that's a totally valid like interpersonal thing. It's so easy to sit doing this podcast and say it's insane. But there, think about your work day and the interpersonal yeah. relationships you have with the people that you work with every day. These guys live together for six months, essentially. I mean, they for huge parts of the season, they don't for half of six months, they don't go home. They're on the yeah. road. They're living together in hotels. They, the interpersonal relationships and in, in what they're doing are more important than either any of us have in any of our jobs any day, unless you're in the armed services. Essentially, you know, like other than that, it's, it's that is the whole relationship. And so I was just having the conversation with my, uh, my with my dad about this um, the other day of like Ryan Zimmerman someday here is going to have a statue. Like, yes. He, oh, no question. He's going to have a Walter Johnson uh, statue. Like that yeah, is going there, to happen. No one is going to wear number eleven in the Nets ever. It's yeah, just not going to happen. And and that's exactly what we said. So yeah. if we if he it, it, that's what makes it so tough for him, right? Like that is really what makes it the huge challenge. Um, and. I, I, I don't envy his position because right now Ryan Zimmerman isn't doing anything to warrant being fourth, but he might not feel the clout to, right. to actually make the move. Yeah, and I, I think that's definitely worth mentioning. Um, but like I said, his uh, outside numbers are looking really good. Um, the, the hit speed, the BABIP, it should turn around. Uh, honestly, some of the batted ball trends, and like I mentioned earlier with the weather, uh, they've been super weird. Home runs are down. Uh, yeah. And if you were paying attention last year at all, b- baseball set a record for home runs in a season. So uh, home and, runs be- And in April, over much, much of the country, it was 70 degrees last year. That That yeah. is a factor. Like, yes. it, that is a huge deal when you're talking about, you know, you have historically cold temperatures across the country right now. So... Mm-hmm. Of course, the ball is not going to fly as much. And I saw, I heard on a podcast, uh, for every 10 degrees lower in temperature, uh, it's about two and a half, three feet you lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a huge deal. So, I mean, 70 degrees to 30 degrees? Yeah, you're, you're talking like 12, 13 feet? Yeah. Of, of, that's, that's longer than a warning track. That's a, yeah, lot, for sure. that's a lot of distance. That's some ground. Um, so Ryan's in the four spot questionable for sure. Um, he's starting to put it together, which is really nice to see. He's got some, some big hits lately and he's been driving the ball a little bit better, uh, not hitting so hard on the ground, uh, getting that elevated launch angle that everyone loves to talk about so much now, Yeah, uh, which is fun. Um, and then another player who hasn't quite gotten the results, um, traditionally that we are used to seeing uh trey turner yeah uh he's had what looks like a really rough start to the season but i'm pretty sure he's got an incredibly low babbit and if he you look does at his... not unfortunately oh really okay Two, 291 okay so that's about league average about so average. that's um but his walk rate is 
I think more than three times what it was last season. Yeah, that, so he's not hitting particularly well, but he has a 368 on base percentage. So yeah. he's, he's getting on base in a good clip, and if he can continue to do that with his speed, he's basically got a double. Yeah, you know, like that—that's a huge difference. Getting and him I, in the he's eight for eight in stolen bases. Yeah, it's gonna—he's a hard guy to catch. I mean, yeah. in in any way, shape, or form, he could get a bad jump, and he's still a hard guy to catch. And I think that you hit a point with Turner. You know, Turner now leading off, but with Adam Eaton on this the disabled list again. Um, and I, I think you have to talk about as I feel like we do at every time we record this podcast, especially early in the year. We got to talk injuries because it's Adam Eaton, Anthony Rendon, dude, Moise Sierra. Have you has, heard of him he, before this year? No. Okay. No, I've getting fifth. Him. Yeah. Getting fifth and being good. That's the crazy part. He's actually been kind of good, but, yeah. uh, but Daniel Murphy has not had an at bat yet. He has not been eligible. He has not Murphy, played. Rendon. Yeah. Eaton. Brian Goodwin. On the list. Goodwin. Yep. I mean, the thing that I think we have to find encouraging by that. So I, I tweeted this the other day when people were in peak frustration and people kind of said, like, I don't care. The season's over. Like, it, nothing matters, but, which is a perfect. <laughs> people a said perfect, that. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, actually. Uh, which is a perfect DC Sports response. But I think you have to note that none of these guys seem to have any serious long-term issues. They have little nicks. Anthony Rendon took a foul ball 95 miles an hour off of his toe. He didn't break anything. That's going to be painful for a while. He's yeah. going to come back from it. Daniel Murphy hasn't played at all yet because he's got whatever hip or leg or whatever he's got going on. Knee? Is it knee? It's knee. Murphy has. Um, so, but there's no damage. He's just having trouble coming back from it. Uh, Brian Goodwin, a precautionary shoulder-related DL issue. Um, and... You, Adam Eaton, who has the, the ankle thing after the knee thing, but he's when he was playing, he seemed to be perfectly fine. He so, well, he had some awkward-looking runs. Oh, for sure. But, he, but it was a slide into home plate. Yeah, right. That had nothing to do with running. I think he the running is just lack of confidence in the knee that he had yep. reconstructed. Yeah. You know, I, I think that all of those guys are going to come back and be fine, uh, it's just a matter of how soon you, can you get them back and if you can keep everybody else healthy. As long as that pitching staff stays healthy, the season's going to be fine. Yeah. No matter when these guys come back, the season's yep. going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Um, step off the, the ledge. It's really okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we covered some injuries. We covered some uh, individual performances. Max Scherzer, amazing. Uh, yeah, Steven Strasburg, dude. Also amazing. Dude. He's really you know good whole, at baseball. You know the whole reason I came on the show was so I can talk about Steven Strasburg. Yeah. You, you, you know this. Let's do that. I mean, he has not even been a top two pitcher on the team. That's the crazy part. You know, Max Scherzer is, you know, people get mad at me for saying it, well on his way to his, his third consecutive Cy Young. I mean, he like he's he's well on his way to do it with everything that he's done so far. He's had one kind of questionable outing, but Steven Strasburg has been excellent and has not even been at the best that he's been at. Gio Gonzalez has, by a lot of metrics, been better than Steven Strasburg has been. Gio has a two point six five FIP. His strikeout rate is good. Um, his and his BABIP is high. So you know he's he's just had kind of had one of those uh, or good years to start. 
But Steven Strasburg, when you you could look at the numbers all you want, but if you've watched him pitch every start, his changeup is as good as or better than it ever has been. Yeah, um, which is all was saying something because it's been voted several times as the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean it, it's like moves two feet down and in on right-handed batters every time he throws it. Well, he has a beautiful new competitor in best changeup. Because Max Scherzer's throwing one now. He's throwing one now, and it's insane. It's stupid. Yeah, it's so I, good. I would, go, I would watch it on uh, Pitching Ninja, RIP. Oh, God. The, it, it, he's still not back? I think he might be back. Or oh, back did soon. they bring it back? Oh, yeah. God. Such a good account. Um, yeah. But the pitching staff, top, top to four, has been amazing. Ah! And, and, but every, I think Hellickson was the right guy to fill in that spot, right? I think that if you remove AJ Cole from that rotation and you put Jeremy Hellickson in there, all of a sudden we once again have an extremely good rotation top to bottom. And we have guys who all of them can go into the sixth inning now because Gio has proven that he could do that again, go into the sixth inning and start to make up some of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, which is really, you you, you shorten the back end a little bit. Um, But one of the things that I think is hard, uh, there haven't been many blowouts for the Nats uh, on the offensive side. Uh, right. So you've had a lot of close games, and you know that's okay. Uh, well, and when they had, okay. they scored a ton of runs on uh, AJ Cole's in AJ Cole's first start. They scored six, yeah. but you know the Braves put up thirteen. So yeah, you know that's going to happen. But you're right. the The most runs that the Nats have put up all season is uh, they they killed the Reds in that second game of the season with thirteen right. behind Steven Strasburg. But other than that, they put up eight against the Nets. The next best is uh, eight against the Braves in the first game of that series. And then you got some sixes, a couple sixes, a couple of fives, and then like twos and threes. You know, they yeah. they just haven't had those games um, where they put up a ton of runs. And I think that it's back to the point. It, the entire homestand in D.C. was cold. Yep. It was cold in Cincinnati and it was cold in New York. So, yep. like, I feel like as it starts to get warmer, you're, you're going to see the benefit of some of these guys that can put up some some launch angle style hits and that that are you know 380 foot shots now that are going to go over the fence and for sure a month for uh, sure speaking of guys who are uh doing real well and are exciting pedro severino oh my god finally he, there is nothing the only thing more exciting to me than watching Pedro Severino right now is watching Max Scherzer pitch. Literally. Wow. literally. Yeah. Like, there is nothing more exciting. To yeah, obviously, Bryce Harper at bats. So, I guess those are the only two things. Like, Bryce Harper, every Bryce Harper at bat and watching Max Scherzer start. Like, Steven Strasburg is my favorite pitcher in baseball. He has been for a long time. If you listen to this podcast, you know that. But even that is not more exciting than watching Pedro Severino catch a baseball, throw a baseball, get a hit. Like, he is just, like... He is so exciting, and he has so much energy. He has some swag, too. Yeah. Like, I, I made that gif when he was up for a little while of him throwing that run out and just, yeah, that Craig's doing it right now, the head nod. But, like, he has, like, five other gif opportunities over the last, oh, just over this season of, like, throwing the runner out at third and him just kind of, like, squatting and nodding up and down and like that was a huge play oh, in it was that huge. Mets, it changed the game in that Mets game yeah oh yeah uh, the Mets out, were coming uh, Cabrera, back right? yep Mets were you know mounting a comeback uh, in the ninth 
they had, I believe it was one out runner on second, needed a run, uh, ball in the dirt. Severino pounces on it and throws out the runner at third when I didn't think he had a chance at it. No, no, not at all. And he just throws it right on the money. His pop time in his arm. His arm is so good. And he's had so many good swings on the ball. It, yeah. And he's had good at bats. I, I I just, I know, and I was talking to a coworker about this earlier. I know that Scherzer and Strasburg like throwing him at weeders, right? I totally right. get that. They, he's a big target. He frames well. He and he and But more than anything, he, he calls, frames he, okay. Well, he calls a good game, though. He yeah. likes the game that they call. And Severino is going to take time to get there. So, you know what? If Scherzer and Strasburg, the $210 million men, you know, $200 million guys, level guys, want to um, want to throw to him, they have that right. They've been in the league yeah. long enough to say, I want to throw to Weeders. But to me, not playing uh, Pedro Severino at least two out of five starts is insane. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally nuts. He should be... And he has been. I think that Davey's done a good job of getting Severino in there pretty regularly. Um, yeah, it seems like he's bats. gotten the lion's share of the uh, action lately. So that's really uh, great to see. And he's taken full advantage. I am to a point... Uh, I was at a point early in the season where I said, Severino should be your starter. He should oh, yeah. 100% be your starter over Matt Wieters. And well, if well, it, the, it the big a, boys want their personal catcher, that's fine. But that's right. uh, the rest of the time, Severino is the future more than Matt Wieters is. And so getting him in there, getting him adjusted, uh, and he has the skills. He is a fast catcher. He has he a runs great so well. It's ridiculous how run he, well he runs. Run he how, run, how run he wells. Uh, he has got a great arm. He's got, like you said, good pop times. He's getting much more confident behind the plate. Uh, so it's just, well, I, I love watching him play. He's just got such great energy. From the first game that he caught for Scherzer to the second game, he was a completely different catcher. Like, that that first game with Scherzer, he was terrible. He It was bad. They, they would go through five or six signs before Scherzer had a pitch that he wanted to throw. And then mm-hmm. in the second game, I feel like it was the game that Scherzer threw, like, a complete game and gave up, you know, like, a run or something like that. It was insanely good. Um, yeah, and he Scherzer in his post game press conference said how good Severino was in the game that he called. You could mm-hmm. see it. You could see that they were on the same page. And to learn that quickly, and you're right, we the Nats have so much control left of Severino, like uh, before he becomes a free agent. You know that he's going to be the guy that uh, moves forward with the team. It's not going to be Matt Weeders. So you got to try and because when when Weeders is long gone. Pedro Severino is going to be catching Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer for four or five more years yep. if he's still around and they don't get some other huge signing. So it's a big deal for them to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I right now am more than happy that the Nationals did not trade uh, Soto or Robles or Fetty for JL, uh, what is it, JT JC Real Muto. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm more than happy with that uh, right now. Just – uh, based on the fact that Montero's gone, uh, Matt Wieters and Severino seem like a a pretty solid platoon right now. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I and if that's what it has to be, and just a platoon with those guys, I think that's a pretty good solution because Pedro Severino right now has a, a 109 OPS plus and uh, 
for a catcher who can run as well as he can, steal some bases and get around. He uh, He's rushed a couple of uh, left side of the infield guys with the way that he runs to first base. Because they, they go, ah, oh, he's a catcher. And they go, oh, shit, i got to get it over there. Because he can get down the baseline really well. So, um, Yeah, not your average catcher. He's a... Uh... He's been fun to watch. And so the Nationals have a, re- a whole lot to really look forward to um, when Murphy comes back, when Rendon comes back, when Eaton comes back. That completely changes the first two-thirds of the lineup. That's right. That puts Michael Taylor back at seven or eight. Yeah. Howie or, Kendrick at or six ninth. or seven. Yeah. Or ninth, which is great. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do stuff once they get guys back in the lineup and healthy, but the guys that are in there now are doing a hell of a job. Yeah, it's it's not all fire and brimstone, even though sometimes it seems like it. Yeah. Uh, we're barely a tenth of the way into the season. That's the Nationals, I want to say, five games back right now Yep. as the crow flies. Um but yeah, but there but there are disparities with uh, with how many games teams have played now because of all the all the rainouts and snowouts. And... They play the Mets fifteen more times. Sixteen. Sixteen more times. Yeah, I would say probably. I don't know what half of them at City Field, where the yeah. Nationals literally own the Mets. They are literally on fire there. Yeah, literally. I, I think in the lifetime of City Field. The Mets have won like 15, 16, 17 games and the Nats have against like, the Nationals. Have won like 40-something. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's stupid. A, it's, it's a totally lopsided thing. Yeah. Um, Is it lopsided or lopsided? Lopsided. Okay. Sounded like lob. Did I say lob? I think it sounded like lob. Lopsided. Lopsided. I'll my P's. Lopsided. Um, do you have any more Nat stuff you want to hit on real quick? So... I have a quasi-Nats thing that I want to hit on real quick. Okay. Jim Riggleman is managing the Reds. Oh, Reds. God. <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel like there's something to be said, you know, people who don't know the Jim Riggleman story, where have you been? But in 2011, when he left the team, um, in the middle of the season, he walked out in an interview because they wouldn't give him the con- or at the end of a game because they wouldn't give him the contract that he wanted, essentially. And most people thought that he was out of baseball. And then... He decided a, a long-time major league manager and bench coach, long, long-time major league manager and bench coach, decided he wanted it so, to get back into it so bad, went down to double-A, worked his way back to the major leagues, and as a bench coach, Brian Price gets fired from the three weeks into the season for the Reds, who weren't supposed to do anything, but yeah, he gets fired anyway. They have three wins. Yeah. Oh, is that, it's that bad? I didn't three and 15. Three. I didn't know that. Three and fifteen, yeah. but they weren't supposed to do anything anyway. So he yeah. gets fired, and now Riggleman's an interim manager. So I think that's fun and worth noting. It's something. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, in, I think in, in interim is the key there. <laughs> yeah, uh, leaving the and I saw a great tweet earlier. Uh, I'd like to see what kind of deal Riggleman's on and see whether it's more than a one-year deal. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, a good point. see if he signed through after this year. Uh, yeah. Goo. Yeah. Goo. Um, so before we get to questions, I wanted to ask you real quick: Have you been watching Shohei Otani? I have. So I watched the no hitter he was throwing for Good a little Christ. while, and I've seen clips. He's not. He's robot. He's not human. He's robot. <laughs> he's you, incredible. Like this yeah. is my favorite thing of the year. It is. Yeah. 
I am just blown away by how effective he is. He had a terrible spring training. He had a yeah. terrible spring training. Yeah. And then and, season starts and he's fucking Clayton Kershaw. Well, to be able to, who could hit like like a like a position player, like an elite position player, like three home runs in a, three games in a row. Yeah, I mean that to hear that that's possible and then see it happen is something else. And the perpetually underperforming Angels now have Mike Trout and Otani, and they are at the top of the division early in the year. And all of a sudden, the the Angels who cannot do anything to compete for the postseason, no matter how much effing money they spend, are now have this one guy. And it's because they found the guy that can do everything. I mean, <laughs> that's why. I he's he's the AL Rookie of the Year. Oh well, there's no he already is. But yeah, just the, I want the Angels to make the postseason for no other reason. But then I want to see him pitch game two and then play in the field all the rest of the series. Yeah, like it's because he, he can do that. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's like, unbelievable. When are we going to get, like, when is it just going to be like, okay, this is just normal? Well, I think that it's going to be interesting because it's obviously possible now, right? Like, yeah. it, 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 you can do all of it in Major League Baseball. And so I think you're going to be seeing kids in college and kids in high school and junior college try to do this more. You know, I'm going to pitch, but also I'm going to hit the batting cage every single solitary day and I'm going to work on stuff and I'm going to try, I'm going to lift and I'm going to go for power. And it, like, I think you're going to see people that try to go for that model. It's going to be really exciting to watch how it, how it changes the way that people perceive pitching and hitting. And I think it probably rubs pitchers pretty good. Um, oh, that, totally. that they're not hitting. And yeah. you know, just seeing within our own team and Max Scherzer getting his first career stolen base. Yeah. Um, and how much of a story that was and how much, like he said in his post-game press conference, I asked, uh, Matt Williams, I asked Dusty Baker, he's been wanting to do this for years. Right. Like this, they want to be that good. Like, right. I know Zach Greinke has a reputation. They don't, they don't want to be protected. I know Zach Greinke has a reputation for going to the hitters in his clubhouses and saying, you want to see what it's like to actually hit a home run and showing the video of his home runs. Right. And, because he's because he's a bizarre man, but who's he is so a very bizarre man. But pitchers want to own that, so I think you might see even just some pitchers that are around some some old dogs. You're going to see them try and learn some new tricks. Yeah, totally agree. So, um, anything else you want to do before we hit some questions? I don't think so. I think we're hitting the home stretch here. All right, let's do it. Questions? We've got some good ones. And some other good ones. So let's just start at the top. We've got, I want to say, at least 10 from Steve. Nice. So let's bang them out pretty quick, Steve. Sounds good. That's what she said. Um, when does he get to co-host? Soon-ish, let's say. Yeah, that's up to you. Um, why has AJ Cole not been DFA'd yet? So he has to have options yet, no? Or is he nope. out of options? He's done. Then I don't have an answer to that question. Yeah. He's because uh, he's either not going to get picked up or somebody picked him up, and that's fine. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. Uh, I, I'm just worried about like who takes his place. I mean, yeah, you, you've got Eric Fetty. You've got um, not Taylor Jordan, who's the other guy, who's kind of like Jordan, Taylor Jordan. Jordan Taylor. Yes, that one. I'm drawing. A, okay. I'm drawing a blank on him. Oh, yeah. Taylor Hill. Taylor Hill. 
who's who's yeah. around that can you know eat a couple of innings, not a big deal. It's not going to be worse. No, it's just not. Yeah. Um, thoughts on Helixkin's first start? We already talked about it. Yep. Uh, Gray Davy as a manager so far kind of did that. What's wrong with Ladson? I mean, he. Uh, it sounds like he's got some health issues. He's got. Oh, he, well. he needs a kidney transplant. Oh Jesus! Unfortunately, I was going to make so. a joke. I'm. I'm glad someone told me. Yeah, he needs a kidney transplant. Unfortunately, I hope his his health recovers. What kind of Lacroix are you drinking? Uh, I'm I'm on orange and lime right now. Wow. I you actually drink fridge. that stuff? I love it. Oh god, it's wow. cocaine. I love it. Wow. I I I had I had one for breakfast and one for lunch today. Honestly, wow, <laughs> it's so good. I, I'm drinking whiskey. Nice. Oh, I'm not drinking it right now. Right now, I'm oh. drinking wine. Um, what's the thing standing between the nets and breaking out? I think we both agree it's health. Yeah. Um, you can upgrade one player, like you know, when Mario takes one of them shrooms. Which player do you shroom Mario? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I I I think uh, Trey Turner for me. I was actually thinking that. I think Michael A. Taylor. Yeah, that's a good one too. Because he's one. got some pop already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm more thinking that way of like you know just overall getting getting better uh, in general, and I think Turner because I think that he's right on the cusp of being special. Uh, well, I already said my favorite storyline of the MLB season so far, Shohei Otani. Um, yours? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that to keep it local, to, to bring in a local story, the fact that it's a competitive season. I'm actually really looking forward to this. It's, it, I, I, I'm glad to not have a blowout for where we're going, for the Nationals. I think it's going to be a, a more fun year this way. Good. Nice. Uh, least favorite storyline? Oh, um... Everything that Nationals fans are saying online. That's, That's 100% fair. kind of basically where I am right now. That's 100% D- DC fair. sports narrative in general right now. DC sports narrative is a good one. Yeah. Uh, I, I will probably actually agree. Um, yeah. uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, at the attendance struggles in MLB so far. And this is from Capital Sports Forecast. Nice. You want to take this first? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's weather. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, people are looking for so much narrative with the the pace of play stuff changes and everything. I, I feel like so much has gone into it that it's easy to look at like, it's cold. It's cold. I mean, the Nats <laughs> the had season Sunday started night baseball. early and it's cold. The Nats had Sunday night baseball. Which it was an sucks. eight. It was an 8-10 start. Yeah, it was cold. And it was 40 degrees. Yeah. Yes, the stadium's going to be empty. Of course I didn't want to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would not have gone. Like, yeah, brr, that's yeah. that's awful. Yeah. Um, MLB is expanding to two new cities. Which cities should it expand? Uh, Vegas and Montreal. Nice. What about you? Uh, Portland and Montreal. Ah, uh, it's good. Yeah, Portland's a good one. That that yeah. would have been one of my alternatives from Vegas. Yeah. Uh, but Vegas. Yeah. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are. It's one obvious of the best. sports. They're obviously doing fine. So yeah, they're one of the best stories in sports and oh, wait, their wait. and their minor league soccer team just became the first professional uh, sports team to partner with a dispensary. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's funny. I, I hope that the uh, I hope that the the, the Knights win the uh, Western Conference. I hope they do. I, that would be awesome. Um, time check real quick. How are we doing? Uh, we've got 
Eight and a half minutes. Oh, perfect. Uh, how would you try and shore up the bullpen outside of getting rid of AJ Cole? I don't think the, you can. Yeah. I think they have the guys in place to do that. I don't think that there is a magical, you know, guy of seven bullpen guys. I don't think there's a magical fix to that. Some guys are not going to be as good. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, outside of AJ getting Cole, AJ Cole getting, getting got. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that has to happen for sure. But yeah. uh, other than that, I don't know that there's a magical fix there. From Nicole Hughes. Uh, don't remember seeing her name before, so yeah. welcome. Welcome Nicole to the Hughes. questions, Nicole. Um, are you worried about Zim Zim? Uh, I think we mentioned earlier we're not too worried about Zim Zim. Uh, just a little bit more with his placement in the lineup. Yeah, I'm. I will say I'm a, I'm a little worried. I, I'm a little worried coming off of his historically good last year that we're, we're due for such a big decline this year that I don't know if the adjustment's going to happen quickly enough for where he's hitting in that lineup and what Ryan Zimmerman is at 33 years old right now. I'm, I'm a little worried, I will say. Okay, that's fair. I'm not worried yet. Yeah. Um, I think this is another new person uh, we've got from the podcast with an awesome name. Felton Hughes. Hello, Felton Hughes. That's a great name. Felton Hughes. Uh, we hear the same issues brought up over and over again. Cole, bullpen, injuries, blah, 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 etc. But Zimmerman's throwing is a real problem and is rarely brought up. Discuss. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. When you have a tailor-made 3-6-3 double play yeah. and you can't even hit second base broadside of a barn. Yeah. That's a real problem. And he That's a, a throw. He threw home the other day, and it was like he skied it over the over whoever was catching that night. I mean, he, you're you're right. He he cannot throw. That's it's why they moved re- him to first base, but he cannot throw. But I mean, there was a, a point where he took a cutoff throw uh, from yeah. Bryce Harper. I want to say, and there was a runner that could have advanced and. If I were that runner, I would definitely think hard about advancing if Ryan Zimmerman were taking my cutoff. Oh, totally. Yeah. You, I mean, um, it's going to get around the league. He, he just can't throw. He just cannot do it. And I, I think that we need to have – that. there needs to be a conversation that needs to be had with Zimmerman. Hey, on a 3-6-3 uh, or 3-6-4 double play situation, you need to just take the shore out at first. Take the out. Yeah. You just need to take it. Yeah. And I would rather have one than none. And yeah. right now it's none. Totally. Uh, great question. Felton yeah, that's a great question. Hughes. Great question. Um, I'm not going to answer any questions about uh, dog neutering. Um, will the Nationals ever win on a Wednesday? Again, hump day, camel curse. Yes. Yes, they will. They absolutely will. Um, man, there was a lot of rambling going on. <laughs> Shohei Otani bullpen management how sad are you that the dumplings are gone oh god pinch was probably my favorite food at the ballpark i loved it i my uh my mom is not a vegetarian but she eats very 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 little meat and um we when we went to a game last year she was like i don't know what to get and i was like i've had these dumplings you should try these dumplings and she got the vegetarian dumplings and Every time we went back to the stadium after that, we went to that pinch stand. So it really sucks that they're gone. It was probably my favorite food in the park. Yeah. I think I talked about it on one of the other podcasts. It is pretty tragic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently one we blew off last year. Your ultimate plot slash storyline for the president's race. And we'll end it with this one. Ultimate plot slash storyline for the president's race. 
Um, the presidents actually race every week. That is my that, ultimate plot. That is <laughs> bold. Storyline. Story What's yours? That is a bold one. Um, I think it's got to be something absolutely absurd. Um, and I think it's got to involve other sports teams like Washington Capitals players coming out and oh, cool. doing something. I think uh, the more cross-promotional stuff they can do, the better. But I would like a true race as well. Yeah, I think that'd be nice. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, there will be no Nats Talk on the Go next week. And there was great sadness. Uh, I am flying to Copenhagen, Denmark on Monday night. Uh, and I will be there for a week. So stay tuned to my Twitter feed for English and European shenanigans. Yeah, uh, so It's going to be fun. But there's going to be so no jealous. podcast next week. Uh, I'll try and do one shortly after I return jet lagged and I would assume hungover. <laughs> for a week. So... Uh, thank you so much for listening to this Nats Talk on the Go. Getting the band together has been super fun. Um, thank you, Joe, for joining me this week. Thanks and, for having me, Craig. Yeah, bud. Uh, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.